This message was presented at the GYC 2012 conference in Seattle, Washington. For other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org. So I believe it is now 9.45, and I need every minute to spare that I can get. Uh, So we're going to go ahead and start this morning. Uh, Just to do a quick review, as I've mentioned earlier and I've repeated throughout, our first three presentations have specifically dealt with our personal experience with Christ. And the first one we saw, what conversion is all about, the transformation of our characters back into the image of God. And then we saw that the book of Acts is filled with stories of conversion. But conversion has to start, and the Acts revolution that God wants to continue in our lives has to start with individually, so that we can share it with others. And then we saw in our second presentation the gospel message through the sanctuary and how God wants us to experience each of the steps there. And we also saw in our third presentation that God doesn't just want to make us clean and make us justified and forgiven, but He wants to keep us in that condition. And that is through sanctification so that when Jesus comes back and He finishes His high priestly ministry in heaven and sins are blotted out, that we can be changed into the physical image because we have His character in our lives through His power. And so now the next three presentations, the first two this morning and then the last one this afternoon, are going to be dealing with how our conversion impacts us and how we relate to one another, and how God wants us to share the gospel. And so the first one is called the aftermath, and we're going to be looking at how God actually equips us to witness to one another. And uh, before we do that, let us go ahead and um, bow our heads for an added word of prayer. Our Father in heaven, we thank you this morning for waking us up, for renewing your mercy and grace to each one of us. And Lord, we are in need of Thy Holy Spirit. For Lord, we know that spiritual things are spiritually discerned and we want to be more like Jesus. And so send Thy Spirit to help us understand these truths and transform us by Thy power is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. So now that I have experienced conversion, I'm experiencing it daily, I'm dying to self, what should I do? What does God want me to do? I'd like you to come with me to the book of Matthew chapter 25. We're going to spend a little bit of our time this morning there in Matthew chapter 25. And Matthew chapter 25 is after which chapter? Matthew 24. And what is Matthew 24 so famous for? Yes, Matthew chapter 24 deals with the signs of Christ's soon return. He gives us all the different signs. And I'm just trying to get my clicker here to work. 
There we go. Matthew chapter 24 deals with all the signs of His return. And then in Matthew chapter 25, we find several stories or parables that God gives to His people. And the first parable that we see given is which parable? What is the first parable in Matthew 25? It is the parable of the ten what? Virgins. How many of you have studied this parable before? Some of you? Very good. Well, let us read a little bit about it. Let's look at this parable. Matthew chapter 25 and verse 1. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto... How many virgins? Ten virgins which took their lamps and went forth to meet who? The bridegroom. And five of them were what? Wise. And five were foolish. We know that in the Bible, a woman represents what? It normally represents a church in Bible prophecy. We know that in Ephesians chapter 5 that God likens a, a woman married to a husband as a church married to Christ or each of us married to Jesus. And so here we have ten virgins, ten individuals, yet five are wise and five are foolish. The question is, what makes them wise and what makes them foolish? Let's keep reading on. Look at what the Bible says in verse 3. They that were foolish took their what? Their lamps. How many virgins here in this parable had lamps? All ten. Let's keep that in mind. All ten had lamps. But the Bible says that the five foolish took their lamps and took not what? They did not take no oil with them. But the wise took what? Oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. How many slept? All of them. All of these people, God's church is sleeping here in this parable. And yet there are five that are wise and five that are foolish. And what is the distinguishing between the, the wise virgins and the foolish virgins? What distinguishes the two? The oil. In the beginning, all ten had a certain amount of oil. All of them had it. They were all burning at one point in time. But as we read there, as they're waiting for the bridegroom, they fall asleep. He takes a little longer than they expected. And so what happens? Verse 6, And at the midnight there was a cry, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out to meet them, meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. How many woke up and trimmed their lamps? All, all of them. And then the Bible says in verse 8, And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your what? Your oil, for our lamps are gone. You've probably seen those, those old style lamps that have like a wick that you can, you can turn it, make it longer and shorter, and then you put oil inside. And every once in a while, you have to trim that wick, and when there is not enough oil the lamp is not going to burn. And so because they were all sleeping and the bridegroom took his time to come, what happens? Those that were foolish did not have what? Enough oil. So what distinguishes the wise 
from the foolish? One, they all had what? Lamps. They all had oil at one point in time. They all slept. But the difference is one had extra oil and the other one didn't. And what revealed their condition? It was the bridegroom coming a little longer than they expected. You see, God's people are all waiting. But I remember when I was a little boy, you know, people would be preaching, Jesus is coming soon, Jesus is coming soon. And, and I remember growing up and it was 1990 and, and I, people were talking about, will we even reach the year 2000? You know, Y2K, there was this frenzy going on and, and I remember all of these things and maybe Jesus is going to come on that year and people were talking about different things but now we're in 2012 and tomorrow we're going to 2013 and we're still here. But one thing that I have noticed as God has been tearing a little longer in His mercy waiting for His people, you know what has been happening? Some either have got more on fire or some have just cooled down. And so we see this taking place and that is what distinguishes the wise from the foolish. Why do we need oil? We need oil in this world to shine. Because this world is dark. But to keep us burning spiritually. But my question today is, what is this extra oil? I'm not just content with a little bit. I want this extra oil. And for the last about a year, it's bugged me to death. I didn't understand what is this oil? I've heard many sermons and I agreed with everything that I heard, but I wasn't content. And so I started praying more and been talking to different people. God showed me something that I've never seen before and I've actually never heard anyone presented this way. And so I encourage you after you get this information to go back and study it for yourself because I think it's a very powerful thing that God is trying to teach us in this parable. What does this oil represent? Come with me to Zechariah. Chapter 4, verse 2, 3 to 6. We're very familiar with this parable. I even alluded it, uh, to it yesterday. The Bible tells us, And he said unto me, What seest thou? And I said, I have looked, and behold, a candlestick all of gold with a bowl upon the top of it, and his seven lamps thereon, and seven pipes to the seven lamps which are upon the top thereof. He is having a vision, a picture of a seven golden candlesticks, very similar to the one you see in the sanctuary. And then it continues on, and on the two olive trees by it, one upon the right side of the bowl and on the left side thereof. So what is he seeing? He sees these candlesticks and there's two trees on either side. Well, the question is, why is there two trees on each side of the candlesticks? Why olive trees? What does olive trees have anything to do with candlesticks? What do we need olives for? We need olives for oil. And why is oil so important? Because that's what fills the candlesticks so that they can burn, right? And we saw in the parable of the ten virgins that they needed the oil, right? And one had, both groups had oil, but one had more than the other. Well, let's see what it says. What does this oil represent? Then he answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord, Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, nor by power, but by my what? Spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. 
the Lord asks Zerubbabel, do you know what this all means? And he doesn't understand. And so God explains it, that it's not by might, it's not by power that those candlesticks shine. It is by what? The Spirit. But literally, the candlesticks have to shine through the oil. So here, oil is the what? The Holy Spirit. You've probably heard this before. So, the oil, in a very general sense, represents the Holy Spirit. And if we are to be filled with the Holy Spirit, what are we going to be filled with? In Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 to 23, the Bible tells us, but the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. So, if I am being filled with the Spirit, what will I also be filled with? All these characteristics... And a summary for this, this is God's character, right? God is meek. He is tempered. He is good. He is long-suffering. He is love. He is peaceful. Thank you so much. He is all of these things. And so if I am to be filled with the Spirit, when I am filled, I will be filled with the character of God. But I don't believe it ends there. What else does God desire us to experience? You see, it is so important in our Christian walk that every day we are being filled with the Holy Spirit. Because without it, we can't survive. You know what? We can have an outward form. We can seem like we're keeping the Sabbath. You know, for much of my life, when I was growing up, I was going to church. I was wearing the right clothes but I didn't have that inward transformation. The Sabbath was a dread. Maybe some of you know what I mean. It was horrible. I didn't really like it. And I remember many times, I would look at the clock, I would look at the calendar, and I'd check, what time does sunset end? Oh, it's 6.25. Oh, excellent. My show starts at 6.30. And so I would watch the clock, watch the clock, and boom, 25. Ah, praise God, Sabbath is over. Now I'm going to go do my things. Why? Because I didn't have that true conversion experience. I need to have that personal relationship with the Lord and being filled with the Spirit of God. Can a car run without oil? It can't. (laughs) Exactly. You know, we can have this vehicle, but what powers the engine? It needs energy. It needs gas. It needs oil. We ourselves need the Holy Spirit in our lives. Every day, when you think of the Acts revolution, what pushed forward, motivated the church? It was, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Throughout the book of Acts, you find, and there, the early church experienced Pentecost. They were filled. Each one of us need to be filled. One of the greatest gifts that God can give us is to be filled with the Spirit. There's a, very interesting story of an orphan girl. It was around Christmas time, and um, this uh, store that was near the orphanage decided to give all the children in the orphanage gifts. And so they invited all the orphans to go into the store and to choose any gift that they wanted. And this, they only could do this once a year. And so they were so excited. Kids would rush into the store. Some would buy this toy plane. Others would get stuffed animal or some type of doll for the girls. Whatever their minds can do, they were allowed to choose one of the, the gifts in the store. And one day, 
when the children were picking their gifts, a little girl goes to the owner and says, I can get anything in the store? And he says, yes, anything you want, but you can only choose one. And she looks at the owner and she says, can I have you? Because if she had him, she had everything. She wanted a father. If we have the Holy Spirit, we have everything. Sometimes we strive for faith, we strive for meekness, but if we have the Spirit, we have all of these things. God wants us to have the source. He wants us to be filled with the Spirit. And when we are filled, we will have the character of God. But look at what else God will give us too. Come with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 1. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 1, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you be what? Ignorant. God doesn't want us to be ignorant in the topic of what? Spiritual gifts. Where do these spiritual gifts come from is the question. But all these worketh that one and the self same who? Spirit dividing to every man severally as he will. Who is it that distributes the spiritual gifts? It's actually the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit not only helps us to experience the fruits of the Spirit, the character of God, but the Holy Spirit is essential because He is the one that equips us with the spiritual gifts. Or in other words, talents. The different talents that God gives to us. I want us to look at a quotation that blew my mind away. A great work is before us, and if we are united with Christ, we are labors together with God. God gives us what? Talents or spiritual gifts. He gives the what? Oil of grace that our lamps may be kept burned, trimmed, and burning. The experience of the ten virgins, they all had the lamp. And what does the lamp represent? It's the word of God. Psalms 119, 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The word of God is that lamp. All of them were filled with the Spirit, the oil, at one point in time. They all had the character of God. They were expressing it. But as the, grooms, the, the bridegroom waited a little longer, waited a little, and as he tarried, they all fell asleep. And those that were, that were not wise, the foolish, they ran out. Part of that oil experience is not just to have the character of God, but it is to have talents, spiritual gifts that God has given to everybody here in this room. He gives the oil of grace. Here we see that God's prophet Ellen White is connecting talents with the oil of grace so that our lamps can be trimmed. You're going to find that when we look at Matthew 25, what is the next parable after the ten virgins? It is the parable of the talents. 
I never made sense to me. Why would Jesus start with ten virgins, then talents, and then end with the sheep and the goats? It never made sense. But then it hit me. You see, Matthew 24 warns us that Jesus is coming. And so how do we react when Jesus is coming? We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And if we're being filled with the Spirit, we have the character of God, but we also have a part to play. The Spirit gives us gifts. But how do I get more oil? How do I experience the Spirit daily? I need to multiply my talents. How does God equip us to reach out? He gives us the talents. He prepares us to act our part in the great work of shedding the light of His truth upon those who were yet in darkness, perishing for want of the knowledge of Christ. And that's found in Youth Instructor, February 3rd, 1898, paragraph 2. So here we find that the oil represents... Also the experience of receiving the talents of the Spirit and using them for the glory of God. When you look at the church of Acts, when they were filled with the Spirit, what did they do? Did they stay home and do nothing? No. Why did the Acts revolution begin? Because as they were filled with the Spirit of God, they went out and used the talents that God blessed them with. For the Acts revolution to continue, it is not enough for you and I just to be content with an experience with God for ourselves. God has already gone and given you and I talents so that we can multiply them for the kingdom of God. And so I ask you to come with me to the Matthew chapter 25. Back to the second parable there in the book of Matthew, chapter 25. Matthew, chapter 25. Matthew, chapter 25. Look at what the Bible tells us. Matthew, chapter 25. You know this parable probably very well. After Jesus gives the parable of the ten talents, look at what He says. In verse 13, Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour where the Son of Man cometh. And then verse 14 says what? For the kingdom of heaven. He's actually continuing his discourse. Sometimes we separate parables. I don't believe so. God is, Jesus is building his case. You need the oil. So because you don't know when Jesus is coming, you need to experience the kingdom of heaven in the aspect of a man giving different talents, as we read on. It says, As a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave how many talents? Five talents. And to another he gave two. And to another gave one. To every man according to his several ability and straightway took his journey we find that in this parable that there are actually how many groups of people? One he gives five, one he gives two, and one he gives one. According to the story, what does the one with five do? He multiplies, so he has how many? Ten. The one that has two, he turns it into four. And the one that has one does what? 
he buries it so he stays with one. Loses actually the one. So if you think about this, how many groups are there really? Is there really three or is there really two? How many groups were there in the first group? In the first parable? In the first parable? In the bride, the ten virgins, there was two. Now you have two groups of people. But here, how are the two groups distinguished? One group doubled the gifts that God gave him. The other one hid it and buried it away. Very interesting what God is trying to reveal here in Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25 is really emphasizing the need for the Spirit and for us not just to be content with this experience with God, but to use our talents for His glory, to demonstrate God's love for mankind. And it's interesting. How does Matthew chapter 25 end? As I mentioned earlier, it ends with the parable of the sheep and the goats. How many groups? Two again. And how do we know the sheep from the goats? By their character, yes. What did the sheep do? Let's read there real quickly. Let's go to Matthew 25. The Bible says in verse 33, And he shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come ye blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you for the foundation of the world. Now he's speaking to them. For I was what? Hungered, and ye gave me meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. And you know the picture. What are they doing? They were sharing what they had. They were using their resources, their talents, to bless those that were in need. And Jesus says, when you did it to the least of these, you've done it to me. And if you study further on, that the goats were those that did not do those things. What is the picture God giving us in Matthew 25? Our need for oil, the Holy Spirit. But then for us to use the resources, the talents God gives us, for what? Because Matthew, the second parable, the talents doesn't tell you for what. But the last end of the parable tells you for what. The last end of the parable tells us it is to bless those that are in need. And in each case, we have a choice. Are we going to be the wise or are we going to be the foolish? I don't know about you today, but I want to be a wise version. I want to be part of those sheep. I want to be a part of those group of people that multiply their talents, not because there's any good in me, but because my Savior has done everything for me. Amen? So, the rest of our time is going to be talking about what are talents? Why is it so important? And what can I do to use my talents? What are talents? What are gifts? In the original language, in the Greek language, the word talent can refer to the weight of silver, which was usually 6,000 denarii or about 75 pounds of silver. If I had 75 pounds of silver, I'd be in pretty good shape. But if you think about it, when in the, in the second parable, the parable of the talents, how many did the least receive? Everyone received at least one. 
So that tells me every one of us here has received some value. God has not been partial, He's given all. But the word talent is not only referring to silver, monetary value. It can also be referring to the word gifts from 1 Corinthians 12.4 that we were reading earlier, representing the diversity of gifts, gifts, is actually the word charismata, where we get the word charisma. And you know what that word is taken from? The literal word where charisma is taken from, it actually means grace. It actually means grace. So in other words, gifts actually can mean the endowments of grace or the gift of grace. Every talent that you have is actually a gift of grace from God. And we can talk about all the talents. Even the fact that you have clothes on your back today, that's a talent. That's a gift from God. The gift of salvation is a talent. Every gift, sometimes we don't think those are gifts. We take for granted. We only think that like musical talent is one. Or speaking is another. No, there is so many things. I encourage you to read Christ's object lesson, specifically the parable of the talent. And she goes through the list. Time is a talent. All of these things are talents. They are gifts of grace that God has given to us. That's why in that youth instructor quote, she says that God gives His people talents and it says the oil of what? Grace. Ellen White understood that grace represents, it's a gift. And that talents are gifts. God is bestowing gifts upon His people, gifts of grace. And grace is an undeserved favor. Do we deserve to receive these things? No. What have we done for God? We turned our backs on Him. But God loves us so much that He not only forgives us, but now He equips us and He blesses us with gifts. What a powerful picture. God is so good to us. We also know it means the natural endowments of a person. And this is according to the Webster's Dictionary. Some natural things that we may naturally have. Certain talents. I know that growing up, I always had a passion and desire for cooking. And even though I don't do that full time, I still make sure that I use that talent. That is a gift. And we think, oh, you know, that person was naturally born with that talent. You know what? God is the one that placed that in that person. Not just by accident, some mutation of some gene, and all of a sudden they wanted to cook or do something like that, or be musical, or be a good businessman or a doctor. God placed that. And the reason why they became what they were and used their gift of hospitality or they took their medical interest and turned it into being a doctor is because they used that talent. So talents are gifts and endowments, natural endowments that God has given to each person. It can also refer to a general intelligence or mental ability as we find in the Webster's Dictionary. The first two are found in the Greek language and the next two are from the Webster's Dictionary. You see, sometimes we wonder, do I really have any talents? I used to ask myself many times, do I really have any gifts? And then I was reading a story one day that really helped me to understand something. There was this man in South Africa 
he was a farmer. And during the time that he was alive, there was this huge um, movement of people going out and looking for diamonds. Diamonds had been discovered in that part of the world and people were flocking from everywhere looking for diamonds. And so this man, he wanted to look for diamonds too. He wanted to be rich. And so guess what he does? He does. He has this beautiful property, this beautiful land that he was farming and so forth. And so he decides, you know what? I'm going to sell this land. I'm going to go look for those diamonds. So he goes and buys this piece of property looking for diamonds. And guess what? In his whole lifetime, he never could find those diamonds. But that first property that he had, that he sold to buy the other one, someone buys it. And you know what? That person turns the ground upside down. They go through everything. And guess what they find? Boatloads upon boatloads of diamonds. One of the major diamond places there in South Africa. Sometimes we're looking here and there when God has already placed diamonds in our lives. God has blessed us with gifts. Let us ask God to give us wisdom. Why is this topic of talent so important in these last days? Number one, because it is a salvational matter. Because we find in Matthew 25, in that parable of the talents, verse 25 and 26, that one that did not multiply his talents, look at what was his reason for not multiplying. And I was what? Many of us may have fear to share. Fear to use the gifts that we have given us, that God has given to us. But God gives us not the spirit of fear. You remember to be converted, to be born again, is to be like what? A little child. If you notice little children, you know, they take their little simple crayons and a piece of paper, and they just start scribbling something. And sometimes, to us as adults, it may not look like anything. But you know what? Those little ones are not afraid to use the little bit that they have and give it to someone. We need to learn to be like that. This individual hides it because he was afraid. He was scared and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast that is thine. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou what? Just because he hid his talents? If I don't use the talent that God has given me for cooking, I will also be considered a wicked servant. Wicked and slothful, which means lazy servant. Thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not and gather where I have not strawed. If we don't use them, we won't multiply them. That's exactly right. If you don't, if you don't use them, you will lose them. Absolutely. And so God is telling us, and what happens to this man? We find that he is destroyed. He's a wicked servant that is banished and destroyed forever. It is a salvational issue. Look at what Christ's object lessons tells us in page 361. What we shall be in heaven is the reflection of what? What we are now in what? Character. And that's what we've been talking about the first three presentations. How God is transforming our character. And, but it doesn't stop there. And what? Holy service. Holy service is how we use our talents for the glory of God. 
That is what God is telling us today. What if you want to be in heaven and you want to enjoy the glorious city? Yes, we're going to appreciate the gift that God has given to us. Yes, we're going to kneel at the feet of Jesus, eat of the tree of life and meet Enoch and Moses and Eli. It's going to be wonderful. But it's all based on our experience here. The character that God transforms me to have on this earth and the experiences that I have through serving Him today. This is what God is telling us to experience. Number two. The reason why using our talents is so important. Because even, let's say, we make it to heaven. But there are certain talents that we don't necessarily use. We we tried our best or for whatever reason, but we don't use them all. There is going to be a loss of eternal rewards. Look at what Christ's object lesson tells us on page 362. This also blew my mind away. Unto whomsoever much is given, of him shall be much required. Luke 12.48 We shall individually be held responsible for doing one... How much? Jot less. A jot is like a little mark. Less than we have ability to do, the Lord measures with how much? Exactness. Every possibility for service. The unused Capabilities are as much brought into account as are those that are improved. For all that we might become through the right use of our talents, God holds us what? Responsible. This is a matter of stewardship. God is calling us to be stewards. He is entrusted. You see, God could have used angels to do the work. But did He? Yes, He uses angels to protect us and do that which we cannot do but he uses you and I we shall be judged according to what we ought to have done but did not accomplish because we did not use our powers to glorify God when we don't use we don't glorify God even if we do not lose our souls let's say we get to heaven we shall realize in eternity the result of our what unused talents God have mercy for all the knowledge and ability that we might have gained and did not, there will be what? An eternal loss. We might still make it to heaven for whatever reason. By God's grace, God is forgiving. But whatever talent we don't use, there may be an eternal loss that we would experience. And we're going to look at what this eternal loss is. And that connects me to my next point. The third reason why using our talents is important because it is the means that God has chosen that we would reach out to others. I'm just going to deviate within this point just for a second. What are these talents that God has given to us supposed to be used for? Look at what the Bible tells us in Luke. Luke chapter 4 verse 18, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. This is talking about who? Jesus. And who is upon Him? The Spirit. He's filled with the Holy Spirit because He hath anointed me to do what? When He's been filled with the Spirit, now God has commissioned Jesus to preach the gospel to who? The poor, those that are in need. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, 
one of the first purposes of the talents is that Christ Himself was anointed to preach and heal, to restore people back into the image of God. Look at what the Bible also tells us. In our next passage in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. How do they see your good works? Through the use of your talents. And when you use your talents, the character of God is revealed. And do what? Glorify. The purpose is not only to reach people, but in the process of reaching people, God is glorified. What is the first angel's message in Revelation 14? The gospel message. Fear God and give glory. How do you give glory? Use your talents. Let your light shine. When we are filled with the Holy Spirit and God gives me the power to use the gifts He has given to me, what happens? Others see that and the character of God shines forth and we glorify the Father. And others, Gentiles, people that never knew God, they will glorify your Father which is in heaven. And then we also find in Ephesians chapter, chapter 4, verse 7, 12, and 13, But unto every one of you is given grace according to measure of the what? Gift of Christ. Here grace is connected with the gift again. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the what? To come in the unity. How do we come in the unity? God has given us gifts of grace for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry. What is he talking about? If you look in between and you study this whole passage, I skipped a couple verses, but it mentions that God has given the gift of apostles, the gift of preaching, the gift of teaching, the gift of healing, those type of gifts. It is the gifts that God has given to us for the purpose of uniting us in the faith. Till we all come in the unity of the faith. We all come together. The purpose of talents is not only that others would be one and God would be glorified, but we, that's how we come together. I would have never met you today if I wasn't here presenting. Sorry. I wouldn't have been here today if I wasn't presenting this message. I have to tell you the truth. I wasn't planning actually to come to GYC this year. And you may say, but why not? Why well, working in the local church, there's many things for me to do. I think I touched this one, that's why. <laughs> Thank you. And I wasn't planning, but then I got this phone call to come and I was like, Lord, why me? I've never spoke and done a workshop before. And I was impressed and talked to my wife and she encouraged me, Philippe, if God doesn't close the door, go ahead and walk through it. And so here I am today. Not because of anything that I have done, but God is good. But if it wasn't for that purpose, I would not have met you. We would not, I would not have this blessed experience to be united with the saints here in Seattle. That is the purpose till we all come in the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a what? Perfect man. Into the image, the perfect character of God and unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. It continues... So it, it stops there. So those are the three major reasons. And in point number three, I told you that it was the means in which we are to reach others. 
And in point number two, I said that there may be eternal loss. You know what's that eternal loss? In, I believe, Christ, no, not actually, second volume of the testimonies, page 660, every soul saved is a talent gained. Every soul saved is a talent gained. That hit me. The eternal loss is that you and I may get to heaven, but because I didn't use all my resources that God has blessed, with, blessed me with, you know what might happen? Someone might not receive the blessing. And because they didn't receive the blessing of seeing God use my talents and to be ministered unto, they may not be in the kingdom of heaven. As we heard that presentation the other night by Pastor Shin, what would it be like if we were there in the city and we could see our loved ones on the outside of the city? I don't want to be in the city of God with regret, knowing that I could have done this, or that neighbor, oh, I saw him so many times, but I didn't say hi, or I didn't give him a loaf of bread, and I didn't share that I had a seminar at my church. I don't want that to be said about me. I don't want to experience that. I want everyone to be there in the kingdom. And it doesn't mean that at times I'm afraid to go door to door. Many times, I'm afraid. I don't know what to tell people. But that's when we got to experience the power of God. Get on our knees and say, Lord, I'm insufficient. I don't know what to say. Give me words to say. Help me to use my talents. God is calling us to use His talents to minister to one another. To minister to those in need. So that is the third reason. So that the second reason would not happen. The fourth reason is because tomorrow isn't promised. You remember Matthew 25, 13? Watch ye therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. We don't know when Jesus is coming. And we also don't know if we'll even be alive tomorrow. Let's say that Jesus is going to come maybe in short amount of time, X amount of months or years or whatever. But what does good is that to me if I die tomorrow? My work is done. I can't do anything. I can't reach any more souls. So with the understanding, it's not that only I need to be ready, but I got to use all my talents for the glory of God. I want to bring as many people by the power of God into the kingdom of God. Through Christ alone. Let us not waste our opportunities that God has given us. And the last main part that I want to share this morning, part of this presentation, is how do I multiply my talents? I'm not going to talk about what talents are. I encourage you to go to Christ Object Lessons and pick out that book and look up at the chapter talents and look at what God tells us are different talents. But once God reveals to you, and maybe you're still thinking as you're hearing, you know, Lord, what talents have you given to me? Pray about it. Write down everything that God has blessed you with. Family is a talent. Gift of life is a talent. Write everything down and say, Lord, on this point, what am I doing to use the talent? So how do we multiply? The Bible tells us in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6, Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou do what? Stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. What are we to do? Stir it up. I'll never forget one of the first sermons I heard at GYC. 
in Ann Arbor, Michigan. I think it was by Pastor David Astrick. And one thing, one, his sermon title was like, Stir What You Got or something like that. God wants us to stir up the gift of God by the putting on of my hands. Number one, use your gift. Just use it. Pray about it. Use it for God's glory. Number two, James chapter 1 verse 5. We need to use it. But the question is, sometimes we're stuck. How do we use it? James chapter 1 verse 5. If any man of you lack what? Wisdom. Wisdom. We need wisdom to use our gifts. If we lack wisdom, let him ask of who? God. If God is the one, if the Spirit is the one that gave you the gift, don't you think the Spirit is going to tell you how to use it too? Absolutely. The only reason why we don't know how to use it is because we haven't asked Him how to use it. That give it to all men, how much? He's the stingy God. Not at all. Liberally. He pours out, remember yesterday if we claim one promise of God, God pours out the whole riches of heaven. He gives liberally and unup and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. James chapter 1, verse 5. How do we multiply our talents? Number one, stir up the gift. Number two, pray for wisdom, how to use it. And under this train of thought, we are told, in Luke chapter 11, verse 13, still under the same. If ye then, being what? Evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the what? Holy Spirit to them that ask. Sometimes we only ask for the Holy Spirit to have a Christ-like character. We need to ask for the Holy Spirit in the context of talents. Stir up the gift. Pray for wisdom. While you're praying for wisdom, pray for the Spirit too, that He will teach you. Because it is He that gave you those gifts. You see, the fruits of the Spirit are meaningless if we don't have the talents. Because the talents is the means which the fruits are shared. It's the means in which God's character is revealed. So ask for the, not only for the fruits, but also the gifts. Let's continue on. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Verse 32. No, actually, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 12. The next point. Use them to edify the church. Even so ye as much as ye are zealous of spiritual gifts. What is, should be our attitude? Zealous, earnest, fervent, careful with our spiritual gifts. Seek that ye may what? Excel to do what? Edify of the church. You see, God has given us talents. But it's not just using your talents. It's got to be used to edify the church of God. Sometimes people pull out certain talents that are actually worldly talents and not necessarily talents that God may have necessarily given to them. And so the test is we need to use it for the edifying of God. Now if you have a talent of art but you've, using, you've been using it for the world... You can take that talent of art and use it for God. Amen? Use it to edify. To, you know what the word edify means? To build up. To strengthen. Remember what was the purpose of the talent? To unite us. To build us up together. Maintaining a mindful 
attitude of constant service. You know, remember Jesus? Our beautiful example in Mark chapter 10, verse 44, uh, 45, excuse me. It says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to do what? To serve and to give His life a ransom for many. How much of Jesus' life was in self-seeking? I don't know. If there is one part of his life that was just directed to himself. Every part of his life. And sometimes we only concentrate on the latter end of his life. But when you read the beautiful book of Desire of Ages. And you read the first couple chapters when the servant of the Lord is referring to Jesus growing up. When he was in his early years, 12, 13, in that age. You know what he used to do? When he used to see a need on the street, someone was hungry. You know what he would do? Take his only meal, and his family was pretty poor, so they didn't have access. So the meal that he was to receive from his parents, he would take that, and he'd give it to that person that was in need. He reached out. That meant he would have to sacrifice. He was a servant. He was giving it away, even though he might not have a meal that day. That was the example of Jesus. Why? Because he wanted to edify the church. When you think about the Acts revolution, what were they doing in the book of Acts? Actually, I didn't have planned to share this, but come with me to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, look at what the Bible says. In Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, and look at what the Bible says. And in verse 42, this is after Peter has been preaching. The people are convicted. They ask, what should we do? He says, "Be repent and be baptized. And then after that, verse 41, they received the word gladly and were baptized. And then verse 42, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. And Some will use this to say, ah, you see, we need to only the Apostles' Doctrine, but the Apostles' Doctrine was really what doctrine? It was Christ's Doctrine. Where did they learn it from? They learned it from Jesus. It was actually the teachings of Christ. And in breaking of bread and in prayers, and look at what the Bible tells us in the next couple of verses, and fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the Apostles, and all that believed were together and had what? All things in what? Common. How did they have it in common? Look at verse 45. And they sold their what? Possessions and goods and parted them to all men and every man had need. What happened in the Acts Revolution? As God was blessing people, they were blessing others. Now I'm not saying to to not work and sell your house and if God calls you to do that, then do it. But of course you need to make a living and God does want us to live in a home. But use the gifts that God has given to bless other people. That's the point. That's what happened in the book of Acts. And what happened after that? Look at what the Bible says. In verse 46, And they continued daily with what? One accord. How were they able to do that? Because not only were they filled with the Spirit, but they're sharing their gifts. They're all united. That's exactly what it means to edify the church. And look at verse 47, praising God, having favor with all people, and the Lord added to the church what? Was the church of God being edified and increasing? 
Amen. Hallelujah. The church was increasing. Oftentimes, God rebukes me because I don't have that sacrificial heart of complete service. And you say, but you're a Bible worker. But even then, God has blessed me so much. And sometimes I'm still holding on for myself. God wants us to give more. Give whole unreservedly to Him. Let Him impress upon our minds how much to give for the work of God. Let's look at the next point. Another point in multiplying our talents. In 1 Corinthians 10, 32 and 33, Give none offense, neither to the Jews, nor to the Gentiles, nor to the church of God, even as I please all men in all what? All things. Now even with this said, some people will take this to the extreme. Well, that means I can compromise. No, 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 no. You go as far as you can, but even it was Peter that said, We'd rather obey God than man, right? But as much as we can, as much as we are able to, to please as many people as we possibly can, not seeking what? My own profit. Paul spent himself. He gave everything that he had. He was even thrown into prison. Not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many that they may be saved. How was he able to do this? Because he did not Offend. He gave no offense. If your gift or whatever you have, you know, some would say, well, you know, God has given me the gift of tattooing. Tattooing people's bodies. Or we find in the Bible that God's, our bodies are the temple of the Spirit. And so God doesn't want us to put things on our body and to destroy our bodies with certain chemicals, especially if you're painting your body. God already made us this way. But it would give an offense. But what are we to tell them? Your talent is not really tattooing. Your talent is art. It's design. Use that. I could use people to help me design many things. If you have an art talent and you don't know what to do with it, come and see me afterwards. I have presentations and ideas that I would love to see illustrated. I haven't seen illustrated yet. Even when I'm looking for some of the photos, some certain topics are not illustrated yet. There's much work to be done. Use it for the glory of God and don't give offense both to God and to man in any way. Don't use it to harm another individual. I remember growing up, my friends would be in school and some of us had the talents of spitting spitwads at people. Is that really a talent? (laughs) No, it's not a talent. We're hurting somebody. You wouldn't feel good if you got shot with a spit wand. We'd make fun of people. We need to ask God what is our talents and don't give offense with those talents. Because when we're doing that, the reason why it's wrong is because we're not giving God the glory. We're doing the opposite. We're distracting and giving ourselves the glory and Satan is laughing in the background. And last but not least, we've mentioned this already. God is to be glorified 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 11, look at what the Bible says. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do as of the ability which God giveth him. What is the key about the talents? Who gives it to us? God. Who gives us the power to use them? God, the Holy Spirit. 
constantly remember, it's not you doing it, it's God that is doing it. That God in all things may be what? I have to ask myself, how much of my life gives glory to God? I used to be content. Oh God, 10% of my life is giving glory to you. Oh now it's 50%. God doesn't want just that. He wants all, 100% in all things, whatsoever I eat, drink, whatever I do. Give glory to God. May be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praised and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So may we use these principles to multiply and use our talents for the glory of God. In closing, before we take a break and then begin our next session, I want to share a quick story. There was a certain man in a mountain village in Europe. That's not what the church looked like, but this man was in Europe. And many centuries ago, he wanted to leave a legacy with the people. And you know what he decided to do? He decided to build a church. So he builds this church. And he was... He kept his plans very secret. He, oh, he designed the blueprint of the church. And he was thinking, how could I make an impact? Not only do I want to build a church, but I want to leave something behind that people can think. And so he finally completed this beautiful plan that he had made. This beautiful church was gorgeous. It was so beautiful there in the mountaintop. Then someone asked as they walked into the church, as beautiful as it was. Where is the lamps? Where is the lights? There was none. And all they saw was these hooks along the sides of the church. And so the man, one by one, he took one lamp and he gave it to one family, and to the next family, and to the next family. And he says, this church will only be lit if you come each and every week. If you don't show up, there will be no light. I believe today it's the same. If you and I don't shine our light that God has given to us through the Holy Spirit, God's church is lacking a little bit more light. God wants this earth to be lighted up, but not just with people here in GYC Seattle. He wants it to go abroad all the way around the world so that everyone will be seeing the glory of God and they will glorify God so Jesus can come back soon. How many of you want to say, Lord, I've heard your voice. I not only gave my, want to give my heart to you, but I want to dedicate the talents you have given to me to give it for your service. Is that your desire? Praise the Lord. May God use our talents. And may God be glorified. And many people won into the kingdom of heaven. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you so much, Lord, for these simple truths, Lord. They are simple. We've heard them probably a million times. But Lord, we sometimes are like that unfaithful servants. We're like those five foolish virgins. We know the truth. But along our journey, we haven't gone all the way. We haven't been spent for you. We haven't used all our talents for your glory, Lord. Please help us. Please use us. Take our hearts, for we cannot give it. But thank you, Lord, that you are the author and finisher of our faith. And so we commit these things to you and bring us back in a few minutes. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. This message was recorded by Fountain View Productions for GYC. 
GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to inspire and equip young people to be vibrant, Bible-based, and Christ-centered Christians. To download or purchase other resources, visit us online at gycweb.org.